Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sports Weeksly. I'm joined as always by my cousin Tyler. And this week we're going to go over the USU game again. I mean before that we'll, we'll get another games, but other games, but yeah, the USU game, the fun game that Utah State was. Yeah. Uh the game that we were talking about beforehand that you might be leaving early or hoping to leave early. Yeah. I and I hoping. texted you part of the way through the first quarter. <laughs> actually after the first drive, I think, and I'm like about leaving early. <laughs> like, yeah. Doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Yeah, no, it was a little rough, but you know, it's it's interesting. The Cougars are 4 and 1 right now. Yeah. But this is like the worst I've felt about a 4 and 1 team. Yeah, if you would have told me preseason that at this point into the season we're 4 and 1, I would have signed up for this that is, immediately. This is what we had projected. Yeah, exactly. We had predicted a 4 and 1 season to this point. We even predicted the correct loss. Oh. But I'm sitting here going, yeah. I don't feel good. Well, that's why I told you like right <laughs> after the game when we met in the parking lot, I was like, I don't know. I feel worse after the game than I did before the game. Yeah. And I don't know what to make of that going into Notre Dame. Look, and I get it. Like, a win's a win. But, like, I, I just – I I'm so uncomfortable with where this team is at and compared to where I feel like we should be. Yeah. So – yeah. Anyway, before we get into jump, breaking all that down, let's talk about some of these future opponents for BYU. Yeah, so, I mean, the future opponent for this week, Notre Dame, they didn't play. Which was a big bummer. Yeah. That they got two weeks to prepare for BYU. I will say at least BYU had a Thursday night game, so they get 10 days. They do. And I, I'll also say if they're looking at the Wyoming and the Utah State film, I don't really think BYU I don't I, if I'm Notre Dame, I don't know what to expect from BYU. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I know what to expect. Hopefully right. BYU shows a little differently. But I also and we could talk about this I guess when we talk about Notre Dame, but I think that whenever you have a bye week before a game, I don't know if it's better that they have a bye week and they've been sitting and resting or that they are aren't riding more momentum. Like they, because if they had won a couple games in a row, coming off that North Carolina win, and after that, if they won, I don't know, just a random team. I don't know who they play after BYU, but let's say that that game was a week beforehand. It, they're just riding more momentum into the game. I I debate what back and forth whether I like them having a buy or not. Yeah, no, that's true, and and I do think since this game is not in South Bend, BYU fares a better chance because. Yeah, they they have to sit there for two weeks, but then they also have to fly across the country and get to Vegas. Right. But, yeah, moving on with the opponents. Uh, Arkansas played Alabama. They're in that bad gauntlet that they have to go through before they come to Provo. Yeah. They lost 49-26, to I believe. Which they were in it in the first half. Yeah. They were in a, that game. It was game. a decent game. But then that second half, Alabama just went like, now nah, we're going to go ahead and we're curb better staunch you. in it. That's basically you know? what they yeah. said. Exactly. Um, Liberty, they played Old Dominion, who Old Dominion solid football team this year, but uh, Liberty won thirty eight to twenty four. Liberty so, scares me a little bit, right? Especially being on the East Coast, uh-huh. probably going to be a day game. Uh-huh. So that game. Speaking of that Arkansas game, we did get a game plan yeah. for it. One thirty Mountain. One thirty Mountain. I call that a death sentence. Um, Especially, and I don't know that it actually matters that it's on either ESPN or ABC, but if it's on ABC, I'm just taking it as like an automatic loss. Oh, absolutely. You know, I was praying, as weird as it is for me to pray for an 8-15 kick in October. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mind them in September. It's still nice and cool outside. Like, or it's, it's warm enough that I don't need a jacket. 
but once you start getting into October, it starts getting a little chillier. Yeah. Sun goes um, down, it still, gets cold. It still wouldn't be bad, but I was praying for that A15 kick because then at least I knew that we'd put a decent product out the there. The environment would be different. Yeah. Yeah. And but, I'm sure the environment will be good during the day still, but the night games are just a different feel in pro. Well, when you've got fire dancers coming out in the fourth quarter. Yeah. like The, the fire dance is not, not going to have the same great. appeal at <laughs> yeah. 3.30 in the afternoon. Well, neither are the fireworks, neither are... Like, nothing's going to yeah. be as as great as what they've built Lavelle Edwards Stadium to be. Right. That being said, I really hope the Rock shows up. I was a little worried at the beginning of the Utah State game. The Rock did not fill up all that great. But I think once some once some of those kids got out of class, yeah, all of a sudden it we, filled. We it. had to remember the game's on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah. We're not used to seeing that, right? The stadium in a whole, I feel like, filled up a little more as the game went on. People right. are getting out of work. People are getting out of class. Yeah, but we'll talk about Arkansas next week. Uh, East Carolina, they played USF on, and they won forty-eight to twenty-eight. Um, USF what, is odd, man. They yeah. they take Florida down to a three-point game, and then get blown out by ECU. I don't understand. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like, I don't understand what's going on with them. But, hey. Maybe I mean, just Florida's not that good, but they beat Utah. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> which is almost a better that they're not doing well. Right. Uh, Boise State, which in the first half looked like Boise State was going to lose that game. But then, I, I don't know if they just said, we're not going to try throwing the ball again. And they're, we're just going to keep right, handing it off. Uh, but they end up winning 35-13 to 13 against San Diego State. I think at one point they were down 13 to nothing. Uh, in the first half. But Boise State, I mean, a lot has changed with that program in the past week. Yeah. So that game, we'll, I, we'll see how they progress throughout the season. Um, but I don't really know what to make of Boise State now without Hank Bachmeyer. It's it's a different thing that he's it's not odd. on the team. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly odd. And I, I you know, um, if the run game is how they're going to identify themselves – they have a shot against BYU. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Um, that being said, San Diego State's also underperformed this year. They haven't looked like they have in the past. Granted, uh, given all like all of college football seems kind of like that. I mean, the fact that Georgia this last weekend played like had a really close game against Missouri. Yeah, twenty six to twenty two at Mizzou. Yeah, and they, it's just they like should have blown them out. And it's like, what is going on in college football as a whole? Like, there's no clear – like, I thought for sure, I was like, okay, it's Georgia and the rest. Mm-hmm. Like, because you got your Georgia, then you got, like, your two through five, two through six, and then seven through 13, and then, right. and then you know, 14 through 25, and then the rest. But I don't feel that way anymore. I, I don't want to be able to play Georgia by any means. But Georgia is I, – I also don't see them as – the giant powerhouse that I saw in the first three weeks, and the voters don't either because right. Alabama overtook them for number one again. Right. So, and is it just it was at a time that like no one knew what to, what to expect of Georgia, or was it Alabama is now starting to peak? Are they peaking too early? I don't know. I don't know. I I, I also think maybe it's just a case of Alabama has looked. Good. I don't know who did Alabama play two weeks ago because. Maybe it's just a case of Alabama the past two weeks have looked better than Georgia has because Georgia played Kent State and then Mizzou. So perhaps it's just a case of you looked better against better competition because I know they played Mississippi East, or not Mississippi State. They played Arkansas, but the week prior. Vandy. Vanderbilt. 
Okay. So not like a great SEC team. Right. They beat him 55 to 3. <laughs> right. So I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact they blew him out. I don't, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. But uh, moving on with a couple of other games. Our Utah Tech Trailblazers lost. The Blazers. <laughs> lost to Abilene Christian. Ooh. No idea who that is. Abilene Christian. I Abilene remember, Christian. I think their basketball team was in March Madness one time. Okay, cool. I, I think I remember that. I, I may be completely lying about that. I don't know. I mean, um, there's probably similar names in college basketball, so <laughs> right. something Christian. Uh, they lost 26 to 10. and then what's Stanford. Their, what's their record at right now? Utah Tech? Yeah. Uh, they are... They're not Ofer, right? Are they Wofford? No, No, they definitely have a win. I just don't know who it's, who it's against. But I'll I think they, they might be like 1-4 and four or 2-3 and three or something like that. I don't know. Maybe 1-3. One one I don't know how many games they've played, but... Yeah, they've definitely lost some games. I mean, they lost to SUU and they lost to Weber. Yo, they so. beat Chadron State. Okay. So... Got to put the respect on that win. Look out. Um... <laughs> Okay, but then Stanford lost to Oregon, forty-five to twenty-seven. So, hey, good for, good for Oregon. Keep on winning. Make that loss look better. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, Bonex seems to be a little more comfortable. And I think part of it is that he's not playing SEC competition mm-hmm. because Stanford's not great, and no. BYU's defense not great in that game. Like, I think, I think he's. An above average quarterback, but he's not an elite quarterback. That being said, he probably it probably suits the Pac twelve perfectly for him. Mm-hmm. Which is which is good for that BYU loss for sure. Yeah. And not a BYU opponent, but I feel remiss if I did not bring up that Kansas is five and zero. Oh man. I <laughs> college game day is going to Kansas. That's right. They should have been there last week, but oh, absolutely. But they're there going going to be there this week. Playing TCU, TC a ranked matchup in Kansas. Yeah, seventeen nineteen. I wonder when the last time they had a ranked matchup is. I have no idea. Has a line come out on that game? Uh, TCU is favored by I think seven or seven and a half. Yeah, they're it's, still it's not about a putting. Touchdown. They're still not putting. Yeah, put respect some, on Rock Chalk Jayhawk. <laughs> put some respect on my Jayhawk's name. Uh, yeah, I mean we got we got family that lives out by there. Yeah, so. I was telling you before we started recording, I said, if we can somehow work BYU's this out, week. I want to go, but the problem is the bye week, it's in, Lubbock, in Lubbock, which yeah. is kind of a bummer because it's not it's pretty really far drive from Kansas City. And close. Yeah. You know, it's. I'm sure paying to stay, especially if like we were saying, if, if Kansas is undefeated at that point, right? I'm sure the hotel prices are going to skyrocket. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just trying to see like, because the thing is if they were playing in Lawrence, we have family we could stay with, um, but Lubbock is kind of in the middle of nowhere. Right. It's just North Literally Texas. Literally the middle of nowhere. And, yeah. I mean, because you've got some family like in Tulsa, and I've got some friends in, or I've got family in in Dallas. Yeah. But the problem is it's like in between those two, and it's like, ah, I don't want to, don't really want to make that drive. Yeah. But. Why couldn't they have been playing like Baylor or OSU? Oh, Something like that. I know. But, Do we they play Liberty? They play Baylor. Yeah, that that could potentially still be on the table. We don't could, know. Could <laughs> we'll take a look at it. But you know, I love I love seeing them do well. Honestly, like I think it's that coach Leipold there. What he's done in turning that program around, 
he was talking about like on game day they did a little spot of Kansas, and apparently he was talking to his wife and he was just like, these fans are are cheering when we don't lose by as much as was expected, or they're cheering at the most minuscule of positive plays, or we get past the fifty yard line, they're cheering. Says so this is not okay. Yeah, we cannot we cannot get into the moral victory business, right? Because then victories will never come. Mm-hmm. And so he's really gone in there and changed that whole culture. That being said, I don't see him sticking around Kansas very long. Well, they actually talked about that on the Give Him Hell Brigham podcast for the Utah State preview because Jeff did it with Mitch Harper, and they're talking about the difference between Kansas and some of these other programs where a coach will bring them up and then leave to go to a bigger program is that, sure, Kansas is not a blue blood in football, but Kansas, as a school, has money. Oh. Like, as an athletic department, has Absolutely. money. Absolutely. So, sure, he might still leave, but Kansas is probably going to have the money to pay him if he wants to stay. No, that's true. I mean, they've kept Bill Self there for their basketball program for forever. So, yeah, it's probably true. I don't know. But, yeah, BYU played a game last week. Utah State, they won 38-26, to just like Austin and I predicted. Yeah, very no, close absolutely. game. I, Nail yeah. biter on the on the nose. Yeah, really. Yeah, I I mean, thirty eight twenty six. Love that scoreline. You know, for the for what could be. I mean, I don't know the next time they're going to play Utah State, but what could be the last time for a long time? I would have liked to have been a a more aggressive score. I guess is a good way to put it. Yep. But that's just not what BYU has given us the past few weeks. <laughs> No. Um, they've certainly played to the level of their opponent, other than Oregon. They definitely did not play to their level. Um, right. But just playing at home, I mean, both Wyoming and Utah State. Granted, Wyoming has played better than expected. Mm-hmm. But Utah State has played much worse than expected. Yeah. I mean, looking at the Mountain West preseason, you'd probably say Utah State is probably one of the favorites to go back to the Mountain West Championship. And then Wyoming is one of the favorites to be terrible in the conference. Yeah, be at the bottom now after after as flipped. much attrition as they had and everything. But, you know, that game, it was so – I mean, we just watched the recap before recording, and it's just – it was so frustrating. I mean, right out the gate, too. You let them go down and score on the first drive. Mm-hmm. It, it, the defense was doing similar things that they were doing the, the past previous weeks where, like, the first – half really but especially in like the first quarter not only do they look like schematically they don't know what they're doing but the players are just playing soft like on that first drive alone there were like three missed tackles two of them by Tyler Batty two of them by Tyler Batty but like on the touchdown itself Damon Hanneman he grabbed his arm and pulled him and thought that was gonna do enough you know I'm glad I'm glad you brought his name up I'm, (laughs) I'm really glad you brought his name up um I said preseason that he was going to be a joke of a player. No, I predicted him as my breakout <laughs> player. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to repeal that, and I'm not going to come to you with a new breakout player because it's not fair that I have five games to choose a new one. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead, and I'm going to forfeit my breakout player because it's pretty bad when Ammon Hanneman he has the one where he tries to just grab his wrist and pull him. That was horrible. And then later on in the game, he just bounced off a guy uh-huh. like he was 
like like, like he was a, a a bouncy ball. I mean, he just he literally he hit the guy and then just fell over and it was like, "What? What was that?" Yeah. What on not earth? Great. Like, like look, I I to be honest, I kind of expect that from a free safety. Not a strong safety. Mm-hmm. Strong safety, you got to be able to stop the run. And so I don't know. Uh, like I said, I'm going to go ahead and repeal my breakout well, hey, player. Let me do this for you. You mentioned before we started recording that if you had another one, it was going to be Cody Epps. It was. When I made my pick, I was like, I'm going to pick between two players. It's going to be Chase Roberts or Cody Epps. Yep. Since I picked Chase, I will allow you midseason to have <laughs> Cody, Cody, especially looking at our wide receivers. And the, the, the past previous games, the three home games we've had, Chase had a big one, Keanu had a big one, Cody had a big one. So... You don't know what it's like moving forward, so I'll say, okay, even Slate, both of them had a big game. We'll allow it to go forward. <laughs> All right. I'll, I, I will graciously take that. I don't deserve it. Um, I should have never picked on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I'll I mean, be honest. If you, I'm trying to think of another defensive player that I would consider breakout that could have been picked. Here, here's the argument that I have for Max Tooley. I think about last year when Peely went down – Max Tooley was next man up. Problem is, is what BYU did is they changed their entire defensive scheme instead. Uh-huh. And they brought in Bywater, and they really started using the hybrid role. And Tooley didn't get as much of a, of, of, a, of a role elevation as he was expecting. And so coming into this year, Tooley playing that hybrid role, he has done nothing but excel. He has two pick sixes this season. And it's just being in the right place at the right time. And so I'd probably still call him a breakout player. I know we've seen him play for a couple of years. But this year he's finally featured as a full starter. Yeah, and he's one of the only players on the defense that actually, I feel like, plays every single down. And when I say plays every single down, I mean actually is active in the play every single down. Right. He's, no, he's engaged every single play. Well, you know, they talked about it in postgame. They said, what's it like having that, like, are you do you guys as a defense try to have that dog mentality? And he's just like, I have had that mentality since I was a kid. Yeah, I want to be out there. I want to hit people. That is my purpose on the field, is to is is to hit people, to get out there. And that's that's what a defensive guy needs to do. Offensive, you you're on the complete opposite spectrum. You don't want to get hit. That's mm-hmm. the whole point of you playing offense. It's like no, I don't want to. I don't want to hit. I, would, I don't want to get hit. So I'm going to try to avoid it. But, yeah, I mean, I tell you, I tell you Max Tooley, just he's, he's, he's been the brightest spot on that defense all year. For sure. And that actually brings to a different point is that I feel like, especially the past couple games, the linebackers as a whole outside of Tooley. And, I mean, I mean listen, there's plays here and there by, like, Will Garb, Bywater, and Peely that yeah. they're good plays. But overall – it's not just the defensive line that's looked bad. It's the linebackers, too. And oh, we yeah. were seeing that in the game recap as well. Yeah. They're missing tackles, and they're not taking on blocks the way they should be. Right. Well, there's a reason it's called the front seven. It's not just the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Like As far as I can tell, when I watch some of these runs, the defensive line is doing exactly what they're supposed to. If you can't get off your block, at least hold up your block so your other guys can make a play. Yeah. The problem is those linebackers, like... I pointed out on one of the plays, Bywater, he waits for the block. Like if, if his job is to go take one of the blockers away, go hit the blocker. Mm-hmm. Don't sit there and be like, 
I will wait for you to come block me. This is a beautiful moment between us. Yeah, you're supposed to basically act like they're the ball carrier and run through them. Right. Because, I mean, you looked at some of those plays. What was the that other tackle we looked at when Micah Harper, yeah, he kind of tripped up the running back, but John Nelson pushed that lineman mm-hmm. right into the running back. And that's what sealed the tackle on that. Was John Nelson just going like, no, I am going to bully this guy. Yeah. And so if Bywater does that, because the running back starts seeing the protection, if you can go blow that up, the running back will start to panic. And so, yeah, they've been kind of stagnant. Um, with, especially with Peely coming back, you expected our linebacking group to be the group on defense. I mean, he was my defensive MVP. Right, I had Wilgar, and I've been, I've been. We just picked the wrong linebacker. <laughs> right, I've been pretty lackluster. Like they've been pretty lackluster, honestly. But the guys that have surprised me that have played really well is the secondary. Uh, that minus that Hanneman, me, minus uh, Hanneman, minus Hanneman. But ever in our lives did we ever think that we would say the best part of a BYU defense right now is the secondary? Yeah, well, especially the corners. <laughs> We've <laughs> like, always had okay safeties, but like yeah. The corners, I've never had faith in corners. Even when it was Brian Logan and, and Brandon Bradley and and all them, I was just like, I don't know. Like, yeah, like, we won't, like, we'll give up a play or two, but, like, we won't be bad. But, like, now, like, I trust Caleb Hayes and Gabe Judy Lolly to, and D'Angelo Mandel to lock it down. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's it's weird to have this much well, trust And another in one guys. who I think is, I, he's technically, I think, listed as, like, a nickel corner, but, like, Jacob Robinson. Had a great game. Oh, absolutely. There was multi, there were a couple pass breakups that were great plays. So I don't want to harp on the entire defense, but like, like a couple guys that had really good games, like Jacob Robinson and you mentioned John Nelson. Like those two specifically, like they were the ones that showed when we were watching the game recap. It's like you noticeably you two had good games. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, the secondary as a whole, they've been pretty solid, which is something that, like you said, safeties have always been the problem or never been a problem really, but corner. It's like, eh, I don't know if I trust the corners. Well, what's, what's frustrating to me is right now, it seems like we have the talent at corner now. Why aren't we playing a little more man coverage? Even if you play man zone, like do, yeah. do a cover two, but like a cover two man. You know, like, yeah, you still have the deep threat. So Malik's back there, Ethan Slade's back there, Hayden Livingston's back there, whatever. But like, let your corners... Like, I'm not saying put them on an island, but I'm saying I hate it when the quarterback gets out of the pocket and there's a guy just sitting in a soft spot in the zone. Mm-hmm. And it it's like, did no, one, did no one follow him? Are you guys, is the corner and the linebacker sitting there going, oh, I, I thought I thought that was your responsibility, not my responsibility. What happened here? I don't know. But, like, do we trust these guys to play a little more man? Yeah, I... And that's something that just schematically the defense would have to change. Yeah. Because I fully understand why before the last like year or so, you didn't play man. Because athletically, specifically a corner, you just weren't athletic enough to do it. Sure. And, but now that you, you have athletes in there, I think that you should try it. But that's something that I feel like from a schematic standpoint for the defense, Tuiaki would just have to change his mentality in the secondary. Well, I'm going to be honest with you right now. Tuiaki needs to change his mentality, period. While I agree, I think watching the games, 
a lot of this the schemes would work if people could make tackles too. Like that's I fair. can't put all the blame on Tuyaki. No, there's that's true. multiple times where it's like miss tackle, miss tackle, arm tackle. Like if if people could make a tackle, his defense I don't think would look as bad. It's still not a great defense to watch, and not my favorite defense to watch by any means, from a scheme standpoint. But I think as far as like, I mean, even on that first drive outside of the, Han- the Hanneman one. The first, I think, running play, there were two missed tackles on the first running play of the game. And so that's part of the problem, I think, with the defense right now. And I know you texted it to me. I said it last week. They're just soft right now. They're playing super soft. After that Baylor game, it's like they used up all their aggressiveness and they just have none left. And they're going to take on tacklers very soft and no one guy is going to bring them down, at least for the most part. It's so frustrating, which makes it so confusing. How do you play Baylor the way you did? And then for three weeks in a row, just you you don't really play aggressive football in the first half. I know. It's I, it's it's one of those things where it's like, wow. I gained a lot of respect for Tuiaki that night. He had his guys really ready to play. And then the last the last two, three, three games. It's just been frustrating. It's like, how did you guys, how did you guys know that they were going to try to run on you and be able to stop it? Whereas now, like you think about that Utah State game, Cooper Lega, twenty carries. Their their running back had eighteen carries, mm-hmm. like their main running back. That is thirty eight carries. How did you not know they were they were going to run the ball? Like and I get it. You don't like you don't want like Cooper Lagas. Like you don't want his. Sorry, I'm just gonna keep saying Cooper Laga because I love saying his name. But like, how do you? How do you? Like I I get like you don't want him to like all of a sudden burn you with arm talent that you didn't know was there. But if we go back to my point of me trusting the secondary, how are you not ready for the run? I don't know. They and proved in the first quarter that they were gonna run the ball a lot. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and if you're a team playing BYU right now, why wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. You're going to game plan for that because right now they can't stop to run to save their life. And while I, I think a lot of the blame gets put on the defensive line for that, I'm also just going to include the linebackers in there. Just the front seven as a whole, I think, needs to be more aggressive in their play. Like they, You can't arm tackle people and expect that to work. That that's that's the frustrating part to me is that I'm watching the plays back, and I see where plays should have been made. Yep. And it's not getting done. So defensively, I mean, you're you're gonna get a step up in talent again playing Notre Dame this week. So hopefully they turn around. But we can move on to the offense instead of rambling about the defense, which we seem to do a lot the past few weeks. <laughs> um, offense. I mean, the first two plays. Touchdown. I, I texted you. I was like, we might hurt the defense by scoring as fast as we are if this yeah. is going to continue. And then they must have heard my text or got my text. And like, no, yeah, I think it routed through the team right before it got to yeah, me. And we're not going to really run fun plays or good plays for the next four drives. Yeah. It, well, it's so interesting. I don't know what's going on in A-Rod's head. I think he is outplaying himself in a way. That he will just be too paranoid about. That he will be like, oh, third and one, let's throw a deep ball. Oh, third and nine, 
I know it'll catch him off guard. Delayed draw. That'll do it. And it's like, no. <laughs> what are you doing? That's where third and one, that's where you just need to put Houston in the game, put him at fullback, and why, run an I formation, which he clearly not, doesn't exist in the playbook. Why is he not playing all that much? No idea. Especially after Wake goes down, and it's like, okay, at least we have Haymuli. Like, on these run plays, we're going to be fine. I think I saw him, I, I remember only seeing him on the field one time on offense. Yeah. Well, no, that, that that's the frustrating thing to me is that when you bring a guy like Houston Haymoli in, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to be included more in a traditional fullback. Because, I mean, Mason Wake, he's a decent blocker. He's a hybrid. But yeah. he's a hybrid. He's he's more of an athletic fullback that is going to be a, a pass catcher and everything like that. Yeah. Houston is just a straight-up fullback. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no way around it. Look at him. Yeah. He's, he is 5'10 or 5'11, 265 pounds. Yeah. He is just a straight-up fullback, and he's he, a, you're he's not a bowling using ball. him like one. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you got him pushing the way for Chris Brooks. I mean, come on. You should be able to just easily push for at least one yard. That, and I don't get – or, and I understand you don't want Jaron to get hurt, run a QB sneak. I know. One of the most effective things with one yard to go, and I was listening to, to the podcast I was telling you about with uh, Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey. I thought I told you about that one. I thought I told you about you, that. You told me about Patrick Peterson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one I told you about. I don't know. There's multiple sports I, I, podcasts. I, I, I actually did listen to that. I, I love that podcast. Uh-huh. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but I love that podcast with the Kelsey brothers. Uh-huh. They're fantastic. And that's one thing that Jason was really pushing for. He's really pissed off about that. Well, he was like, he was like fourth and one on the goal line. What play are you calling? And he asked Travis, and Travis is like some like rollout play. Well, he, yeah. Well, he starts thinking like, um, I think I would go with. And Jason's just sitting there, just going, "There's no. only one answer. You better get this right. There is only he one like, answer." It, it has like a ninety-two percent effectiveness. New Heights. That's what it's called. Yeah, such a great podcast. Like a ninety-two percent effectiveness on a QB QB sneak. Yeah, just do it. I, I I understand you don't want Jaron hurt, but I don't know what are the odds he's going to get hurt on a QB sneak. I, I mean, for a BYU quarterback, probably pretty great. Well, but <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, he was playing Utah State. That that there is, is true. Didn't there think is about a guaranteed injury in there, and I will say, you know, I I don't mean to sound insensitive. But I'm glad it was the Utah State quarterback that went down before this game <laughs> to count for that curse instead of a BYU quarterback. But well, no, it's yeah. crazy to me. Fourth and goal, the Detroit Lions with Jamal Williams in the backfield. Fourth and goal, they just line up in I formation and run it in. Yeah, I, BYU. I'm I'm convinced it's not in their playbook. Oh, I, I don't think I, it is. I don't think it is. Jaron's barely under center as it is, and. I formation, I just don't think A Rod even thinks it exists. Yeah, it's a myth. Yeah, no, it's, that's probably true. It, it's frustrating, but yeah, the first half offense, it was really the first two plays, and then you basically saw the offense go away for the next hour of the game. Yeah, it was a ton of three and outs. I mean, I mean, I don't think the play calling was that creative, uh, and a lot of it was frustrating. I feel like like the plays didn't work. But then I think you also had penalties that killed one of the drives as well. Um, but I think that for the first half at least, the offense 
probably had their worst half of football, I think, for the season. Um, I, at least I would think so. Because outside the first drive where you scored in two plays and then you had a drive where who, – who scored the touchdown? No, no, it wasn't even a touchdown. They got a field goal because Max Tooley scored the touchdown yeah, on a pick six. Yeah, he scored the pick six. So, yeah, outside of that, that and touchdown And Jake came in, half, hit a 45-yard field goal, no big deal. No big deal. Felt great. Yeah, but outside of that, that was probably your worst half for the season of the offense. Yeah. No. Uh, um, even in the Oregon game, you at least scored – Twice in the first half. Did they? I I don't remember that game. Like I said, I've tried blocking that one out. I or maybe they scored once. I, I don't know, but I still feel like they played better. I absolutely that hated that game. <laughs> yeah, so, you were there too. Yeah, that's why I hated it. Those fans suck. Yeah. Uh, the Utah State, because you know, I told you this. The seats in front of us always get taken up by fans of the opposing team. Sure enough, this week there's a guy with a Utah State. With a Utah State shirt on. Come to find out, he's a big Oregon fan. Oh, really? Yeah. And he said anytime he gets tickets like to see BYU play, he just cheers against him because he hates BYU. Oh, of like, course. Even though, it's just like as an Oregon fan. And he's like, and apparently this was the only time he's like, I actually think I have a Utah State shirt. <laughs> and so he threw that on top of his hoodie. Um, nice guy. But, yeah, no, he... Big Oregon fan. Hate we, them. We actually had a couple Utah State fans behind us, and they were pretty funny. Were they? Yeah, because they were super excited, but I didn't mind because they were just like, why couldn't you have done this against Weber State? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is the best they've played all season. We're going to be happy while we can. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I'm like, listen, I totally get it. Yep. Be happy. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's, yeah, they were, they were funny to listen to. Um, but another, first play of the game, good to see Gunner back. Yeah, yeah uh, he, he made his comeback, made a great catch. Uh, I can't believe Utah State didn't see that coming. Quite honestly, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I would have guaranteed the ball was going to Gunner somehow, whether it was going to be a sweep or it was going to be a deep ball. Like, mm-hmm. I would have guaranteed the ball was going to Gunner, and they had him in single coverage. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he caught a few passes in the game, a touchdown that could have could have been caught, caught, but I, I, to me, he was probably having flashbacks of when he lacerated his kidney. And probably just like, eh, I don't want to do it or <laughs> do right. it again. No, so. I get that. And that's a ball that Gunner normally comes up with. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know how much of it was he just, just had kind of fear of, of like, head. I don't want to land on this ball and lacerate my kidney and be out for the rest of the season. Right. But, I mean, and this is going to sound weird to people, but, like, to me, it was good to see him get hit and just come up oh. and, and be fine. Yep. Especially that one in the first half where Jaron kind of threw it to him in the flat and he just got cracked. Oh yeah, and uh, he just popped back up. He looked fine. Oh no, like, that was thank goodness. I don't know if you remember that was like the you know third and fifteen play, and it was oh yeah. Oh, let's throw it to Gunner while he's like running behind the line of scrimmage real quick. Mm-hmm. Great, yeah. great no, job, Arod. But yeah, at least at least Gunner got back. Excited about that. And then the offense did pick up in the second half. They started to figure it out more. Yep. I mean, Ethan Erickson scored a t- his first career touchdown, I think. Yep. Um, and, uh, Co- Cody Epps had the Cody Epps drive. That's right. And he is the like basically the third wide receiver at, at a home game that's had like a breakout game. Yep. Or considered a breakout game, I guess. And then that, that's just like a testament to the wide receiver depth that we've been talking about the entire season. Oh right. Every single one of these guys can have a game like that. No, it's 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 pure talent. I mean, I'm I'm fully expecting Cosper to have some breakout game against Arkansas. 
Yeah. And if you think about the Wyoming game, it probably would have been a split Keanu Cosper game, but everyone kind of remembers the drop that Cosper had. Oh, Cosper still had a great game, but yeah. it, it, it is it's even elevated even more like you're saying if he didn't drop that ball. Which, right. Like uh, I'm saying, he probably splits that game with Keanu, but anyway, he still had a great game. One thing that I am so frustrated about the last two weeks is BYU's discipline. Oh, yeah. Kalani talked about it, said they were going to fix it, and he did nothing. Tyler Batty shoving that guy's helmet into the ground. Speaking of which, the, the guy we were talking about so nicely in the in the beginning, Max Tooley threw a shoe. <laughs> I... So here's the thing. Okay. Let me know why it's okay to throw the shoe. Here's the thing. It wasn't okay in 2019 against Tennessee, uh huh. but we got away with it. Right. Thule, I'm guessing, kind of had flashbacks to seeing something like that and was like, oh, I can do the same thing. Because if you read in the rule books, what, you, what you're technically able to do with equipment is take it and throw it towards the opponent's sideline. Like, if it's, if it's theirs, you can throw it there. Uh, according to the rules, that's what you can do. And that's how they got away with it in 2019. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's how Zach Daw got away with just chucking, chucking that it. thing. <laughs> and his, his was a lot more egregious than yeah, what Tuli did. Daw was probably lucky that instead of facing BYU sideline when he threw it, it was Tennessee sideline. Right, exactly. And so Tuli doing that, look, I believe in sportsmanship. He should have just given it back to him. 100%. Or just drop it. If or you're gonna, just drop if, it. If you don't yeah. want to be Absolutely. sportsmanlike about it, just drop it on Absolutely. the ground. Absolutely. Just drop it. Let him let him pick it up. Do I think it's unsportsmanlike? Yes, I do. That being said... I mean, said, he tossed like, it like 30 feet in the air. Right? <laughs> that being said, 2019, we got away with it. So, oh, oh, I, I mean, know. Like, it was, I get it. It wasn't like one of those things where it's just like he tossed it. I mean, he, he didn't do a Zach Dahl where he basically just like acted like it was a discus. I was going to say, Zach Dahl helicoptered that thing. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> just, but... but Tuli's literally like you could just see it, woo! Like it went thirty feet in the air. Well, you see it as it's arcing back down. You see the yellow flag going straight up. It's like, oh, good, there it is. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy that we can be this happy about talking about discipline for this team, but yet they haven't been disciplined. It's been really bad. I mean, Connor Pay had two snap infractions. How do you, after getting one? How are you just like you know what? I think I'm going to do this again. You're I'm the gonna, center. I'm going to twitch the ball, or I'm going to start leaning backwards. Like, It's one of those things where it's like, dude, the play is running through you. You understand that, right? You start every play. Yeah. How do you not have this figured out? That's why I don't understand how you get a, like a false start as a center. Because it should be everybody but you. Like that one penalty that was called like years ago. That yeah, was like, the NFL. False start, everybody but the center. Yeah, like absolutely. It should, it should be more like that than a center actually getting a snap infraction. But yeah, that is something that's going to kill them because that's something defensively that have kept, has kept drives going, especially against Wyoming and Utah State. And then offensively, it's killed drives. Yeah, It's hurt them on both sides of the ball. And against Wyoming and against Utah State, you can get away with it just because you're a flat-out more talented and better team. But against a Notre Dame and an Arkansas, that's going to kill you. Yeah, these next two games, you can't do that. You're going to have to have a Baylor-like game where, well, actually, Baylor, no, it was pretty clean. Yeah. Yeah, Baylor was a clean game. I was thinking of Wyoming where they had the terrible 
officials. They let and, and BYU had eleven yes. penalties called. Yes, no, that one was that one. I blame the officiating for let's say just half of those penalties, right? Like I blame the officiating for like granted it's like sixty yards worth of penalties, right? This one I don't blame the officiating. They got it right every time there was yeah, one no, sports. That was like, just stupid. Like every time there was an enforcement, like it was like boo, and then you look up at the screen and you're like, ah, no, we deserve that. Yep. Yeah. The ol- the only one that's questionable was the Judy Lally targeting. Yeah. And which, in the stadium, we didn't even see it. Right. We didn't see a replay it was a, or anything. It, we saw it as a great play. Well, and, and you know that's been that's been appealed. So, and they they won the appeal. So he's allowed Gabe to play. will be able to play. Against, like the entire game in, in against Notre Dame, yep. which is great because he's he's really come out as a great corner. Well, he's, he's come out as transfer. an aggressive corner too. Yeah, and I think the SEC and him, despite being a Vanderbilt corner, is showing. I think just flat out being an SEC corner is showing oh, his absolutely. aggressiveness because well, he's different you, than our other corners. Well, other corners are good in coverage, but he's aggressive. Right, but he has to like go against George Pickens and. Uh, what's his name? Mechie at, at Alabama, and right. like he has to go. He had to go against those guys, and and so yeah, he he knows how to be aggressive against against those guys. Like he's a great tackler. He's good in coverage. I mean, I mean the way I see it, he's he's your boundary corner, and Caleb Hayes is your field corner. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, so let's let's give some quick grades for this game. Um, one thing we didn't really talk about was special teams, which we can touch on that real quick, I guess. Uh, yeah, we can start there with the grades. Uh, man, if it's, if it's a 30-anything yard field goal. Justin Smith. Put Justin Smith out Our there. Our boy. Like, but even with Old Roy, and I understand we're concerned about Justin Smith having the leg to make the longer kicks, but even with him making the 45-yarder in the beginning of the game, I just don't know how much you can trust him just going out there for any kick anymore. I know. He's missed what? So he he missed two out of three in this game. Hey, he's money on um, PATs. He's money on PATs. No, he's missed five of his last six. Yeah, that is bad. I don't know how you can justify going to him again. I know. I, I think that it was either Jay Drew or Mitch Harper reported that they're going to have like basically the kicking competition is open back up. Yep. I don't really know how much much of a competition anymore. If it is, it should be between Justin Smith and Cash Peterman because I just don't know that you can trust Oldroyd to do it. I feel for the guy. It sucks that this happened, and but mentally, I just don't think he can do it. Right. It, well, it, it, it stinks. It's okay. You know, I think about that 2016 BYU Arizona game. The reason they went to Jake is because he looked more confident. He was a freshman, and I knew we were about to kick a field goal. I knew for sure. I was like, I don't want Red Almond out there. <laughs> you know, like I do not want him out there. And then they tried out this number thirty-nine, and it was like, who is this kid in green cleats? Who on earth is this? And he goes out there, and he and he nails it. Yeah. And here we are, six years later. That kid in green cleats has has missed five of his last six. Yeah, I, if there was, if the Wyoming game wasn't enough to show that, and it, it's so weird to me that it, we found out that Jake was still the kicker because we questioned it after the Wyoming game. 
Like right. who's who's going to be the field goal kicker? Because just they brought in Justin Smith for that one at the end, a uh, twenty-five yarder. But if it's not clear to me that like he makes the forty-five and then misses from it was thirty-five and or thirty-nine and thirty-five. Or I know thirty-five was one of them, but they, they were both in the thirties. Yeah. So sure, I mean, <laughs> I guess if you want to get weird with it and have Jake kick forty plus and Justin Smith kick thirty-nine and lower, then sure. But I, I just don't understand how you can justify him being the kicker when you're in Vegas this weekend. If you want to keep him in for uh, PATs and kickoff, especially kickoff, he, he's, he's fine at that. He's good at doing that. PATs, sure, it's, I think it's a little weird to have a different PAT kicker and a, and a field goal kicker, but you want to do that? By all means, go ahead and lay him. But you can't trot him out there to kick field goal again. I know. I, you can't do it. And I thought what I was hoping would to be better punting was just kind of meh punting from yep. Rico. It, it, like it wasn't bad by any means, but it wasn't a booming leg at all. the The bright spot from special teams was Hobbs Nyberg. He, oh. He's he's a good returner. Yep. Not as long as he he's a sure catch that he's going to catch the ball on punts, but also he had the thirty yard return. And then he also had on the kickoff, or 35-yard return on the kickoff. And then he had the one punt return that he returned it for like 12 yards. And I said, like, if you get a 10-yard return on a punt, that that's a win. So he he was a bright spot of the special teams. But for, as far as the kickers go, it's been a massive disappointment, but especially Jake. And I feel for him, but at the same time, if you're not going to make the kick, you shouldn't be in there. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's... Kicking is such a mental game, and he seems to have lost it. And it's just, it's too bad because of of how long he's been there and how he's endeared himself to Cougar fans. But, and honestly, with the offense, and depending on situations of the game, it's it's all different. But like, if you're around the like thirty yard line and it's fourth and five, just go for it. Yeah, <laughs> at this I mean, point, at this point, like, we're turning it. Like, you think about those years that Red Almond was the kicker that turned a lot of stuff into no man's land. Uh-huh. And so we just we went for it a lot more because it was like, well, ain't no way we're trotting out a, a field goal out here. Like, right. There's there's no way this is going in. Yeah. And so we, we went for it a lot more, and I think that's something they're going to have to do is is just do that. As far as grades, though, oh, I do want to I, – I will say, like you said, Hobbs, Nyberg, I, when Talmadge Gunther was back there at the beginning of the season, just because we hadn't really seen him, I never knew what to expect. Hobbs back there, he seems to always make a good decision. Mm-hmm. Even if he brings the ball out, which I'm not a huge fan. Like I'm a, I'm well, a fan it, of just taking it at the 25. It drives me nuts if you catch it in the end zone and run it out. Yeah. But if you're going to do it. But, I mean, he, he ended up taking yards. it out to the 35-40 like yard line. And, yeah. and, you know, like I'll give him props to that. They must have seen something on Utah State special teams that they knew they could do it. Oh, another thing on special teams. Yeah. The onside kick. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. And listen, I understand the argument that, in hindsight, if they if they make if they get it, he's a genius. If they don't, he's an idiot. I get that argument, but also, Utah State the entire first half looked like a competent football team against your defense. Why are you even messing with that? Why are you even tempting that fate to give them the ball at midfield? Well, that is ty- such the, a stupid decision, even if you get the ball. I still think it's a stupid decision. The type of onside was just weird. Like, I, and, I, and I get it. You're trying to hit it behind that line, 
But Jake didn't do that. He didn't hide it behind that line. And it was one of those things that they should have called onside and Jake should have just gone, nah, I'm just going to kick this deep. <laughs> like, I, I'm not a fan of it. It was... It was a it was a poor attempt. Like I'm not calling it poor sportsmanship. If it was at the end of the game, it's poor sportsmanship. But like, like that Ohio that, State fake punt. Yeah, you see that. Although I don't think Ryan Day called that. I think well, the punter just saw green grass and was just like, "I'm gonna run it." Don't you remember in 2020 when I can't remember who BYU was beaten up on, and then Rico freaking tucked it and ran for a first down, and yeah. it was like. We're winning by 30. Like, we shouldn't be doing <laughs> right. this. Right. And that was one of those things I'm sure it's like, if you have the, the space in front of you, run it. Yeah. You know, it's like up to the punter. Because I remember Kalani was not very happy after we ran that fake oh, punt. Oh, yeah. Dude, I remember, uh, quick story. Back in eighth grade, we were beating a team. At this point in the game, it was either 60 to nothing or 66 to nothing. Huh. Close and game. Our kicker, this wasn't called, but our kicker was bright enough to kick an onside kick when we were up by that much, and we got it. Oh, jeez. And their coaching staff was ticked. Our coaching staff was ticked. And we had to run so much at practice (laughs) the next day. All because two people on the kickoff team decided, let's kick an onside kick. Right. Uh, Yeah. To me... I get the argument that you want to say, like, if they get it, he's a genius. But also, no. Because just based off watching the first half of Utah State against your defense, I just don't think it was a good idea any way you want to try to argue it. Yeah. So, as a grade goes for the for the special teams, I'll give it just a flat-out C because Hobbs was good at his returning. But the rest of it, like, Rico wasn't necessarily bad at punting. He was just meh. And then Jake, I understand he made the 45-yarder, but he also missed two two kicks. And then... Missed the 35 and a 33. Yeah. I So, just flat, flat straight C. I'm actually... I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to go with the C. It, it was a very average performance. If Hobbs doesn't have the returns he does, it's probably a D. Yeah. Or maybe even an F. Like, I... Yeah. It, it's, I will say Ed Lamb has figured out over the last two weeks, just kick it through the end zone. Stop tempting fate. Yeah. And so that's been, that's been good. But yeah, let's see. Yeah. All right. Uh, defense. Defense. You know, I I I gotta do something like a C plus. That front seven is just killing us right now. Secondary. Like if we're if we're gonna grade them like separately. <laughs> secondary. I'm gonna give like an A minus, B plus area. Uh huh. Then front seven's gonna be you know, D. Yeah, and it's just yeah. it's just one of those. And I would, things I would that, give like the, the the defensive line like a C minus, and the linebackers a D, and then Max Tully gets his own category, and he's like an A minus. Yeah, yeah, no, he's up there. And then he would be an A plus if he didn't throw the shoe. John Nelson's at like a B. <laughs> right, I'll start grading players. Yeah, but, no, but. yeah, as a whole, I feel like it's tough too because it's like you. I want to judge it not just based off of the. Tuiaki defense, but also they're like I have to knock them down, kind of like I did the week before. Like I was gonna give them a what a you gave them a B minus, I think. I think so. And then I gave them a C plus because they were soft. I feel like I have to continue that trend. 
because again, you're soft. You're missing tackles. They better watching get two thirds of a grade knocked off this time. Wa- watching that Ammon Hanneman touchdown. I don't want to talk about him. Okay, <laughs> like I that, made a bad that call. Is the, that is the <laughs> definition of a soft play. Yeah. So I, I'm giving him like a C minus. Like I, I think in this. Because it, it, it's it's so hard to if you grade it as a whole game. I get in the second half, they were making some plays, but you got to play the whole game, figure yeah. it out in the first half. And why does it have to be at halftime that you make an adjustment? Yeah. Why can't you do it on the sideline? Well, our offense. Well, to be fair, like in this game, our offense those those next four drives were really lackluster. There really couldn't be much communication going on on the mm-hmm. sidelines. That being said. It's not like it's 30 seconds. <laughs> like You can still make some adjustments out there. You can also just say, hey, they're running the ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Anyway. All right, offense. You, did you give a grade? I thought I did. Um, here's a problem. I actually forgot the grade that I gave them. <laughs> oh. I think I said okay. like either a C plus or a B minus. I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen. And fully I, know. I, say, I say C minus. Um, offense. I feel like it's got to be a little lower this week because despite their second half efforts, their first half overall was just pretty bad. So I'll give them over an overall grade for the game, probably like a B minus, just yeah. because that first half, honestly, for worst half of football they've played the entire season outside of two plays. Yeah, I mean, the Oregon first half wasn't great. <laughs> Yeah. I'm pretty I mean, sure we only scored seven. At least that was against Oregon. That's true. This is against a one now one and four. You Utah were a twenty four point favorite against Utah State. Yeah. Um I think I'm gonna give him a B. Um I think there's still bright spots. Uh Jaron is taking care of the ball. Uh one turnover through five games. Yeah. All that means to me is that he's due. Which is a horrible way to see it, but especially when we're playing Notre Dame this week. <laughs> right. Between Notre Dame and Arkansas, I'm sure there's gonna be another one in there. Um but yeah, I I I I like our receiving core. Our running game is picking up. It's against lesser competition, but in my opinion, Miles Davis should be R B one. Chris Brooks R B two. Um Lopini flex player I or don't at know. least well at least you could do like a 1a 1b between the the first two with davis yeah. and brooks and then just have peeny in there for passing downs or whatever like i don't know I, I just feel like he shouldn't get as many carries anymore because it's clear cut like miles davis has especially the past two weeks has excelled and then chris brooks showed some good signs in that utah state game he's as just well. got to learn how to run behind this line he just needs to learn Pick a lane and go. Because he's got the body to push through. He just needs, like, he can't sit there and dance around and wait. He doesn't have the speed for that. Mm-hmm. He's just got to get up and go. So, yeah, I'm going to give him a B. Um, I think they're I think they're, they're kind of stalling out a little bit. But I'm hoping. Their red zone is not that great. I'm hoping that A-Rod can put it together against Notre <clears throat> Dame. He seems to show up in bigger games like this. Um, I don't think he showed up in Oregon. Granted, that was a hostile environment being in Autzen. Whereas this is, while it's technically a, a home game for Notre Dame, which I think is still Bush. 
Um, it's a neutral site, and and it is a later kick, which is good. Yeah. Yep. And last thing I'll say about the offense is <sighs> blow somebody out for once. And this is not even really a complaint <laughs> and about the offense. And not just Utah Tech. Not just Utah Tech. <laughs> and this isn't a complaint really about the offense. This is really a complaint about Kalani Sitake and his refusal to blow anybody out. I cannot stand it because not only I, – I get it. A win is a win. And it's good that BYU won this week because despite their pathetic effort against Utah State, they rose three spots in the rankings because a lot of teams around them lost. So I get it. A win's a win. But college football is unlike most other sports where it actually matters how you win despite just winning the game. Unless you go undefeated. Like unless we were, you go undefeated. If we were if we were going undefeated during this, I get it. Like just don't make any mistakes. Run the ball, right. make sure you're not going to lose this undefeated season. With one loss on your rec- on your record, BYU still has an outside shot as at a New Year's 6. Yeah. But they they need to prove that they are big, that they can actually like beat these teams. Well, cover the spread, right? At least like I'm not, you don't have to win by fifty every game. Right. Cover the spread against Wyoming. It was a twenty-one point spread against Utah State. Twenty-four point spread. You didn't cover in either game, and, and you didn't could come have. close, but you could have. And that's the frustrating part. Is like I, ugh, it just feels good to win. Yeah. Well, Kalani, guess what? It, it feels good to blow out a team too. Yeah. Especially from a fan standpoint. Weirdly especially enough, against Utah State. Weirdly enough, it is awesome to see your fans leaving in the third and fourth quarter because you guys are up so much. And you know you don't have to worry about this game. Yeah. It, that, that's just a little rant from me. It's it's so frustrating. <laughs> like, if, if they are in a point against Eastern Carolina where it, they're winning by, let's say, like 14 or 17 – the game's in hand, and but they're also like near the red zone. I, I I can't stand whenever I can see in the play calling that they're just basically, if we score, eh, that's good, but we're not going to try. Yep. And it's pretty clear to me when you're not trying, and I think it's clear to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you, you wish they had that cutthroat mentality a little bit more. but Like, do you think Alabama and Nick Saban cared Whenever they were winning fifty-five to nothing against Utah State, no. And I, I know Alabama's <laughs> better than BYU, so of course they should win that big. Right. But, and I'm not saying BYU should have done that score, but run it up a little bit. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't agree. Get it. Especially like against Wyoming when Craig Bull is calling those timeouts. It's like, oh, you're trying to get the ball back. Okay, we're right here. We're gonna go ahead and just. We're going to win this game right now. Blake Anderson was doing the same yeah, thing. Yeah, he did the same thing. He called a timeout. and Yeah, it's just frustrating. Oh, well. Move on. Notre Dame this week. We got going to Vegas. You know, this game, it, it's really tough. And I said this at the very first episode we have. is like, what is Notre Dame going to be? Are they going to be like a top five Notre Dame? Or are they going to be a... Nine and three Notre Dame, which is still a good team, but like not Notre Dame standards. Right. I'm still not sure what they are. You lose to Marshall at home. You lost to Ohio State, which looked like a good game, and then they beat North Carolina, and then they beat who they would beat the week before. Cal. 
Cal. That's right. And Cal was a pretty close game, too. They didn't take the, the lead until midway until through the fourth quarter. Yeah. I, they pulled away against North Carolina. Don't know that North Carolina is a good team. But I know offensively they run the ball yeah. because they're averaging – Almost forty yards a game, or forty rushing attempts a game. Not forty <laughs> yards a game. Going to say forty yards a game. We're actually in good shape. Yeah, no, 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 no. They're they're averaging forty rushing attempts per game. Um, so I don't imagine, especially after watching BYU the past few weeks, that their game plan is going to go away from that. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, well, especially because you're playing with your backup quarterback. You're playing with that. What's Drew, his name? Pine. Drew Pine. But although I was looking at his stats, and he's actually not played that bad. Well, he's 44 of 63 with 459 yards, six touchdowns, one interception. Yeah, and I think his completion percentage is like almost 70%. Completion percentage against non-conference opponents, which for them is all opponents. Yeah. Uh, 69.8, nearly 70%. Yeah, so, I mean, to be fair, and I get it, maybe Cal's not that great. Um, And same thing with, like, North Carolina. I have no idea how good they are, but he's performed okay. I, from from a defensive standpoint with BYU, I just don't see how you go into this game basically preparing any different than you you would. Well, I'm hoping they prepare different. Actually, let me rephrase that. Based off the way they've come out, I hope the defense prepares differently. However, I just look at what Wyoming did to you, what Utah State did to you. I don't think that Notre Dame is going to shy away from running the football, and I think that's probably going to what they're going to do to try to carry them into the game. And I, I think whether BYU can stop it or not, yeah, we'll see. I think this game's going to come down to how well Jaron Hall plays. Quite honestly, I think this is going to be a game that he's going to have to put the team on his back. Um, yeah, if our defense isn't stopping him, he needs to at least match what Notre Dame's doing. Score forty in this game. Yeah, I don't know how good Notre Dame's defense is, to to be honest, and maybe we should know more about that because we're talking about it on here. But <laughs> I, I, if a team like Marshall can beat Notre Dame, period, I would think that an offense like BYU can put up some points. So BYU is averaging 445 yards a game. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame is averaging 355 yards allowed. Okay, so... And then BYU's averaging 335 yards allowed, and Notre Dame's averaging 369 yards per game. So, But I would also say, outside of Ohio State in Week 1, they haven't played a really good offense. Well, I don't think... Like, how many yards did Ohio State even put up against them? Cause well, and, that's, and I'll chalk that up to it's Week 1. Week 1, we're figuring out kinks in the, in the game. But you, you look at Marshall, look at Cal... North Carolina, I, I don't think that they, they've really played some really good offenses that have had not just the quarterback that Jaron Hall is, but the wide receivers that we've had too and the depth of the position that we have. And despite the offensive line performance that we've had the past like few games in the run game, or basically the entire season, I also don't think especially in pass blocking, I don't think that Notre Dame's defense has gone against a offensive line for one, probably is big, but outside of Ohio State, like the other three games they've played aren't nearly as close to offensive line talent that BYU will have. So, yeah. Well, I, I mean, as far as passing yards, Notre Dame's allowing 213, and BYU's averaging 293. And so, I mean, like, this really, this, like I said, this really needs to be Jaron Hall's time to just 
really grab these guys and say, we are winning this game. And it's going to be purely off of will to want. Like, like your, your will to win. It's like, I want it more. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I, because Notre Dame is rushing the ball as much as they are, they're going to chew clock, but that means Jaron needs to go down and and get the ball in the end zone. He's got to keep up with them. Yeah, and they have to be efficient too. I don't think that yeah. they can stall out drives. Right. What they've been doing, and specifically once they get into the red zone, that's the problem I feel like in, in Aaron Roderick's play calling a lot of the time. It's like, they just don't know. They know how to score on the big play. Yeah. They don't know how to score when you're close to the goal line. Right. I I, I think that they need to figure that out in this game and and do it without like you don't have to use a trick play every time you're down there. Right. You don't need to have these passbacks to to Jaron just to be able to do this. Yeah. So. No, I I I think it's going to be a pretty yeah. decent game. At least I'm hoping that is. I guess I should say, but I I do think it will be a good game. I think that. This BYU team, I don't know that they're going to get the same. Because I remember you talked about like when BYU plays Notre Dame, there's just some mentality thing about it that it, it, playing the Irish just kind of shuts down BYU. I don't get that sense from this team, even despite them playing pretty what I would call bad the past <laughs> couple of weeks. I, I don't think that they're going to get psyched out just because they're playing Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's also because they're not in South Bend, too, which could help BYU. Okay. I mean, the, there won't be as many fans that, there that there should be because the game should be in Provo. But I, I do think that playing in Vegas, and like we said, Notre Dame has to come to Vegas. It's not as far for BYU to travel. Maybe that affects it as well. And well, BYU's played there before. BYU's played in that stadium. BYU's played in Vegas many times, and BYU's played well in Vegas. I, I, I think that BYU has a really good shot of winning this game. And not just because I think Notre Dame is mediocre or anything, but I, I just think that BYU, especially like we're saying, offensively, they should just basically dominate their will against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's kinks to work out on defense, but as long as you've got a high enough scoring offense, you're going to be just fine. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at what Bronco did in, in Virginia. There were a couple games where it was just like, even though Broncos defenses are normally pretty good, it was the Robert and I offense. Just like, just score more than them. That's all we ask. Yeah, like that BYU Virginia game last year. Mm-hmm. It was very much a shootout, and it just kind of came down to, well, we got the ball last, so sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, and I, I think a couple things that will really determine this game for BYU is if they can clean up the mistakes that we were talking about earlier, penalty-wise, like yeah. quit getting false starts, quit jumping off sides, and quit doing the stupid personal fouls or unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Don't throw a freaking shoe, okay? Don't throw a shoe and don't slam it. Like, don't why slam are a guy's you pushing head? the like, – it was, he wasn't even like slamming it. It was just like, I'm going to push this. I'm going to push it again. Like a it was like, what are, you, what are you doing? Anyway. I don't know. So clean that up and – Continue your trend of not, not turning the ball over. Yeah. That Because against teams like Utah State and Wyoming, despite BYU not turning the ball over, those are the type of games where you can overcome that. Notre Dame, not so much. Yeah. So 
those are things that I think that BYU needs to focus on, honestly, more than anything going into this game, is being more disciplined in terms of penalties and then try to not turn the ball over, I guess. Try to. I, I mean, BYU, Notre Dame, to be fair, despite uh, Wyoming and Utah State's effort, they, like, they have better athletes than them. So that will be a step up for BYU. But then, then again, we've said maybe they'll play up to their competition. Because in the past couple of weeks, we thought they played down to their competition. Yeah. So, and something that is crazy to me, and Jeff brought it up, or Garrett brought it up on Give Him Help, Bring Him a couple weeks ago, is that, and I didn't know this was true, but before UAB last year in the bowl game, Tuyaki even said afterwards that he wasn't up for the game, so he couldn't get his players up for the game. Right. And in my head, I'm like, so you basically just said what you're not supposed to say. Well, Tuiaki also said after that UAB game, yeah, we overlooked these guys. And it was like, that's wonderful to hear from a coach. <laughs> from a coordinator. Right. <laughs> that's, that's something that's confusing to me is like, maybe they do for a team like Baylor, and I'm just throwing Oregon out that that game was just a wash. But maybe for a team like Baylor – you do get up for that game because the coaching staff is actually up for that game. Yeah. Well, you think about 2018, that Wisconsin game. The reason BYU won that game is because they just wanted it more. The coaches wanted it more. Right. You know it's pretty crazy because I was at that game, and you're watching the fourth quarter jump around, and BYU sideline is just exploding. They're uh-huh. having fun. They're playing loose. And you look at the Wisconsin sideline, and they are militaristic, man. Yeah, they're just sitting there staring at him, just like, "Really, you're gonna come here and and enjoy this?" And it's just like, "Yeah, we are." It's because like, well, we're winning the game. I don't know so. if you can see, we're winning. <laughs> so, I, yeah, there's probably a lot of truth in that. That that these coaches need to be like, guys, let's be excited about playing this freaking game. Like we're going down to Vegas, and they disrespected us. They said, "No, we don't want to come play you in Provo." For nine years, they didn't. Yeah. And it's like, just how do you not just ride that and just be like, they disrespected us in a way that we never saw coming. Let's, let's make sure we, we really hit them where it hurts here. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Um, they, I feel like some, before we give a prediction, something we got to talk about this game, they unveiled the jerseys, which we haven't talked about really with any other game. Cause they're normal BYU jerseys. Right. Typically. But they're the blackout jerseys again. The only difference is the helmet. And I told you before <clears throat> that I'm not a huge fan of blackouts in terms of like the jersey look just because it doesn't look great with blue. I agree. It, here's, it, here's the thing. I love Utah's blackout jerseys. Well, that red is just great. Utah, with that Ohio State, or I, I think of like the Steelers color rush if you want to go to the pro, like black and yellow. Yeah, gold. With the yellow. Like, blue just doesn't. It look just, that great it with, doesn't with black and it really doesn't if you want to do like i sent you the picture that someone edited it basically like what byu did in the mid 90s if you want to have a black shadow on the numbers i think that looks better than doing a blackout jersey yeah well i know you can't do the white jersey this game because notre dame they're bringing white they're all white yeah, yeah. but that being said yeah I, I i understand like the idea behind it but at the same time I actually liked last year's like all navy with like the navy helmet and stuff like that in, re- in like as a replacement to the blackout jersey. 
mm-hmm. stick with like the darker look. Oh, yeah. But like, and to me, that's the only navy colored outfit that I prefer over royal. The, I prefer the, the midnight. I prefer the midnight look over yeah. the royal helmet pants and jersey. Yeah, well, um, that's, that's that's fair. That being said, like, not a huge fan of the the jerseys, anything like that. But that new helmet. The helmet looks great. Oh my god! It's clean, it, and it looks completely different than the blackout jersey or the helmets before. Because the only thing that was different about either the helmets before was the first one when they wore it in 2012, I believe, was they had a black helmet with a white Y stretch, and then in 2016 and 2020 they had the black helmet with it's the same helmet except they had a royal blue Y stretch yep. logo on the side. This one you got the royal top that fades into the black. Oh yeah. It looks super clean. That's my that's my only redeeming quality about having a blackout is that these helmets look really good to me. Yes they do. Besides that, jersey's the same. I mean besides the collar, there's nothing about the jersey that's different yeah. than their other blackouts. And to me, BYU came out and said wear black to the game. While I understand I, I disagree the sentiment, with that. I disagree. Yeah, and I'll tell you why I disagree with it. I understand the sentiment. Okay, they're wearing black. You want them to wear black because they're wearing black. If this game is in Provo, I get it because you can actually have a blackout stadium. Sure. This game isn't in Provo, and you're not the home team technically. You're going to have at least on paper twenty percent of the tickets. I'm sure there will be more BYU fans there there than that, but. I, I don't think that black is going to look good when you have that small percentage of the stadium. Just wear royal. I Here's the thing. I think wearing royal, unless it's a whiteout, BYU fans should always just wear royal. I think it pops better on a screen, and it looks better in the stadium, and you can start, like, if you're on the road, you can actually see better pockets when it's just royal. Mm-hmm. And so I prefer that fans just always wear royal unless you're doing a whiteout at home. I agree. I agree. That's just me. I will say, helmet, fire, love the helmet. Yeah. It, it looks great. But, yeah, they definitely could have done better with the, with the jersey by not doing it, quite honestly. I mean, to me, this is the only, uh, the only game where I was like, what are they going to wear? Because originally I thought they were either going to wear their the, just the classic white helmet, royal jersey, white pants. Or the royal helmet, royal jersey, white pants. Like I thought it was going to be a royal look, which I mean, I guess technically it has royal in it, but yeah, but I didn't think black was going to be involved at all, and then I also didn't think navy was going to be involved at all because like for a game like this, I feel like BYU always wears royal for yeah. so, something like that. So I was shocked that it was a blackout jersey, but now it begs the question: is like we haven't seen the classic look of white royal white yet. And I feel like, to me, there's only two opportunities that you're going to wear it. And that's East Carolina or a bowl game. Because I don't think you would break out that jersey. I feel like there's probably going to be another Navy combination for uh, Utah, Tech. Utah Tech for some reason. Like, if they're going to wear Navy again, it's going to be against that team. Well, they might pull it out against Arkansas. You never know. We know. <laughs> We're not going to say anything, but we know. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. We can say that. That's fair. But... Uh, yeah, East Carolina in a bowl game is a, the only times I think you can break it out again. Yeah, I just I, don't see it against Utah I wouldn't Tech. be surprised seeing it in a bowl game. 
Uh, yeah. We've done it before. So I mean, to me, it's their cleanest look. And I get that's probably just a boom. It sounds like a boomer take. It really is. Um, the, because that, that's their. It sounds like. That sounds like. Your dad's voice. Yeah. My dad. Your dad. You. Like. That, it just sounds like someone who watched BYU growing up in the 80s and 90s. But honestly, to me, that is their cleanest look. That's my favorite look of BYU. It's just white, royal, white. I I See, I like the 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 royal helmets. I like I like the full colored helmets, but I just still prefer the white helmet. See, and, I, and and I don't I don't get why people hate on the the white navy white like white navy white. It, it was it was the look that Collie and Hall and Beck all like when Bronco first oh, came in. You mean just like the navy home jersey? Yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll I, wear that against Utah Tech. Um, I. I think that's also a clean look. Like when when they made that switch over to the dark blue, like the navy blue, yeah, stick with it. That's fine. Like, see, I don't of, mind that look. A lot of people are just like, yeah, but the royal looks so much better. I'm like, okay. While I do like the royal look, it's not like it's miles ahead. Like, it's not like it's just like, oh, the other one is trash in comparison. I wouldn't say it's trash, but I. Personally, I do think it is considerably ahead of the navy look. And to me, I just think that's because I like the. I think I like royal better for just jerseys in general. Sure, I guess I can take that. All right, let me get your score prediction here. I've got one in my head, but I want to hear yours before I say mine to see if I'm crazy. (laughs) All right, so we predicted high-scoring games the past couple weeks. Yeah, I quit. I quit doing that. That's ridiculous. Um, I don't know that we're allowed to sc- to say that BYU is going to score forty points uh, <laughs> because they haven't yet, or no, they did against USF and then they haven't since. So I'm going to say that BYU. I mean, I had BYU winning this game or no, losing this game. I had we both did. Yep. Uh, well, I'm not going to say that because that would be lame. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to. Have BYU winning this game, um, and I'm going to say that BYU will win. Oh, this is a hard score to predict. I'll say thirty-four to thirty-one. Okay, hold on. How is BYU getting to thirty-four? Are they kicking two field goals? Yeah. Just- Are you? Are Justin, you nuts? Justin Smith is money. Are you nuts? Justin Smith is money, okay? I, I, one for one, baby. Would, two for two? What are you talking about? <laughs> is he two for two? Well, he's one for one, but I'm saying he would have to go two for two. Yeah. That's he's money. Uh, no. Uh, stop it. <laughs> that's, that's not going to happen. I can tell you right now, my my score prediction, like, it, look, if I were to do 34, it's because someone missed a PAT. You're telling me that that Kalani is not gonna and Ed Lamb are not gonna trot out the field goal unit when you watch what they did against Utah State and he missed both. Yeah, and I'm what saying, he did the previous weeks. I'm saying there is no reason to trot them out there when your offense is better. Okay, I mean if that's fair. Don't like. Here's the thing. To be honest, I was just thinking about numbers, not really what's <laughs> how you get to those numbers. Yeah, no, I. If it was a prediction like, oh, we miss a PAT, I get that. But maybe, maybe that's what it was. You're saying you're saying <laughs> making 
two field goals. I have no idea. No. I was just thinking of a you number. Are, okay, listen. You I, are I wasn't nut. thinking about how we get to that number. I was just thinking of a football score because you are, you it's saying 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 a football score like thirty five to twenty eight. That sounds too vanilla. That it's not going to happen. See, I have BYU. It wasn't thirty five twenty eight. I have them. So the reason I wanted you to go first because I took a loss in this game and I was actually going to predict a BYU win somehow. I have the score 28-27 BYU. And I have them I have them scoring a a touchdown late to take so I have Notre Dame taking like kicking two field goals at some point and then BYU scoring late in the fourth quarter and then the defense putting together a stop at the end of the game. That's how I have me getting to 28-27. Okay. So just you, because so I... So you thought about it. I didn't think I, about it. I just set a score. Oh, I have a hard time <laughs> with with anything involving a field goal right now. Unless I can see... Because here's the thing. You're nuts to think that Jake's going to lose a kicking competition in practice. I saw the dude warm up. I've seen the dude kick. When there is no pressure and and nothing behind it, the guy is money. Yeah. He's not going to, like, I don't think he's going to get beat out. The only way he gets beat out is just like, hey, we're going to put Justin out here for this one, see how he does in a game. Which they did against Wyoming, which was weird for a 25-yarder. But then Jake went in and hit a 40-yarder. And it's like, okay. So if it's 39 and below, maybe we try Justin Smith out there. We'll see what happens. But like 40 and above, Jake's got the leg. That being said, because there's so much, there's such a big question mark around it, I don't trust us to ever make a field goal again this year. Okay, I, well, you call me nuts. So I'll say you're nuts if you think that Kalani is just going to go away from kicking field goals. There is no way that's happening. If it is fourth and eight, I listen, am not trusting him listen, to just stay on the field. I'm not. I'm not saying he's not going to trot out a field goal unit. I, what I'm saying is, if he does, we are not making the field goal. That's what I'm trying to say. But Justin Smith is money. No, he's not. <laughs> he made a 25 yarder. Yeah, he's one for one. What? It's like <laughs> PAT distance. Hey, made it. <laughs> No. Look at the length of that kid. That was good from 50. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Next-gen stats. Good from 68. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, 28-27. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to – I don't think we get there the same way we did against Washington in 2008. But I think it's it's a it's a drive. It's a, it's a late stop. And BYU can knee out the ball. Okay. Well – I mean, even though our scores haven't been correct, our predictions have always been correct up to this point yeah, no, in I'm terms worried. of win-loss. I'm, I'm a little worried about that. <laughs> I'm worried about it, too. I, I am fully... So I, I think this, this game goes one of two ways. It is either going to be a close game that BYU wins or it is going to be a blowout. That Notre Dame just... I don't I don't see any way that it's going to be a close game that... Notre Dame wins. That's that's just not in the cards. If Notre Dame's going to win, they're just going to blow BYU out, a la 
Wisconsin 2017, uh, Washington 2019. Like I've seen this game too many times, especially if it's on ABC. I've seen this game too many times. Where well, this it's isn't like, on ABC. Oh no, this it's is, on CBS. This is on NBC. NBC, NBC. slash yeah, Peacock. Yeah. Yeah, so. I'm thinking about. I'm thinking ahead to the Arkansas game. Arkansas. It might be, might be on ABC. I'll say the same thing then too. Sure. I, nationally televised games that are on the major network channel, I've seen it too many times where BYU is just going to lay an egg on that channel, and Notre Dame is going to look so good, or they're going to win a close game. That I just don't see any other two ways about it. Yeah, well, Notre Dame's got the motivation. I mean, they they started out ranked in the top five, and then now. They're unranked going into this game. and Although BYU does have the motivation, too, because not only are you playing Notre Dame, but you're the underdog in this game, and you're the ranked team. Yeah. So. Well, they were they were the higher-ranked team against Oregon, too. So And they were the underdog going into that game. Yeah. That provided zero motivation. That being said... That was a true road game. <laughs> it was a true road game. That being said, we're going to go ahead and call it here. Um... I know you, I, you think I'm crazy about my special teams takes. I think you're crazy for thinking that they're going to score two field goals. Either way. Hey. <laughs> either way, we have we have faith in different points in the team. Um, they were both wrong. It's going to be Cash Peterman. Cash Peterman out there. Yeah, that'll be nice. Maybe they'll just try it out like a safety like what the Chiefs did. You could. He made it. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he did great. Um. Anyway, so this has been a, another wonderful episode. Um, this is probably the most confrontational we've been on I, some of these. I, I guess. Yeah, that's crazy. But anyway, um, I want to apologize here at the end. I've probably been sniffling into the mic. I my oh, wife, I just burped, so I wouldn't my <laughs> My wife got me a little sick. Um, you can blame her. Uh, I, I'm hoping, I'm praying that I'm going to be okay because I get on a plane on Thursday to go to the Thursday night football game um, between the Broncos and the Colts. I'm um, hoping I'm, 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 I'm officially mended at that point, but just want to apologize for any sniffling or anything, anything like that you may have heard. But make sure to join our college pickums. I'm pretty sure that only two of us make picks in that, and that's me and Tyler. Oh, the I other, had a terrible week. The other people in there don't even – don't touch it. Um, but yeah, uh, so that'll be in the description. And we'll catch you next week. See ya.